Chapter 8. The False Prince. Errol was calling my name when I returned to the room, sweaty and tired. I hadn't been gone long, just enough to have a look over Connor's grounds for myself. Still, I wondered how long he'd been calling for me. Must have fallen asleep, I called back to him, splashing some water with my hand. What do you need? Your water must be cold by now, he said. May I come and refill it? The water was cold, but it was also perfectly clean, and I was filthier than when he'd left me. The water's fine, I said, undressing as quickly and as quietly as I could. I won't be much longer. The other boys left their baths long ago. Yes, but they were probably cleaning themselves while I was sleeping. Give me a few more minutes. I dove into the water and scrubbed everything that would show outside my clothes. A thick stack of new clothes from Errol waited for me beside the tub. They were gentlemen's clothes and probably cost Connor a fair amount of silver to purchase for all three of us. Mine had a linen shirt that laced up the front somehow. A soft leather half-sleeved vest with carved bone buttons, long linen pants, and a pair of calf-high boots. I didn't think much of my skin would show. That was only my first bath, because after I emerged from the room, Errol inspected my arms above the sleeves and observed that I still smelled like an orphanage. He insisted on scrubbing me the second time. The water is freezing, he said. You like your bath this way? It's colder now, I said grumpily, and I never said I preferred it, only that it was fine. Errol's gentle manners were not reflected in his bathing assistance. It surprised me how much dirt came off the second time. While he busied himself with a brush on the bottom of my feet, I looked at my fingernails. I don't remember them ever being this color, I said, then yanked my foot away. That tickles. Are you finished yet? I don't have, or I don't like having a man help me with my bath. Errol grinned. Shall I have a woman sent in? I laughed and told Errol I wouldn't need anyone's help for my future baths. Obviously, Master Connor has a different standard of clean than the orphanage did. Now that I know you want my entire body washed, I'll make the necessary adjustments. After we finished, I sent Errol out while I redressed. I had to admit that he'd done a good job. It was possible I'd never been so clean. Where are my old clothes? I asked Errol after I finished dressing. Off to be burnt, I guess. They're not fit for much else. Get them, I said firmly and then added, just as they were before, Errol, exactly as they were. Errol considered that for a moment, then said, I can get them back, I suppose. If you do, I'll see that you get a silver coin for service. Errol tilted his head. Where would you get it? That's a small detail and my concern, not yours, but it would buy months off your debt to Connor. I widened my arms. These clothes aren't mine and they're not me. I suspect I'll want those other clothes back in two weeks. Errol shrugged. I'll see what I can do. Now come, the master's expecting you at supper. Connor had bathed and shaved as well. He cleaned up nicely, now looking more like a noble and less like a road-weary traveler. Rodan and Tobias were already seated when I walked in. The small dining room appeared to be reserved for everyday meals and more intimate affairs. It was clearly designed to impress whoever ate here with an idea of Connor's wealth. I couldn't help but do the math on how much a clever thief might earn from stealing a polished silver fork or a gold-trimmed goblet, or a single crystal hanging in in beads from the sconces on the wall. Or sit, please. Connor said, motioning to the plate to his left. Tobias was at his right, and Rodan was beside Tobias. Rodan was clearly distressed that I had been seated closer to Connor than him. As soon as I sat, servants er, began bringing in the food. They started with cheese as soft as butter, and fruit in the prime of ripeness. At the orphanage, we got leftovers from the kitchens of the wealthy after they were too wilted or brown to be served at their tables, usually within minutes of the scraps turning into mold. Connor was served first, but he waited for the rest of us to be served before he began. Although I was served second, I assumed I had to follow the same guidelines. It was a horrible temptation to ignore Connor's example and begin eating. 
My senses were overwhelmed by glorious smells on the plate, or on my plate, and others coming from the kitchen. Do you eat like this all the time? I asked enthusiastically. All the time, Connor said. Would you like a life of this luxury? (laughs) This exceeds any expectation I might have had for my life, I answered. It's a humble meal compared to a king's feast, Connor said. But who'd need a king's feast if they had all this? Rodin asked as his plate was served. Then he looked at Connor, knowing he'd made a mistake, but not sure exactly what it was. He searched for the words to correct himself and failed. Tobias took his opening. I'd need a king's feast. A girl reached over my shoulder and set a bowl of burnt orange, or burnt orange-colored soup in front of me. She had dark brown hair pulled into a single braid down her back. She wasn't necessarily beautiful, but something about her was definitely interesting. Her eyes fascinated me the most, warm and brown, but haunted. Maybe afraid? She frowned when she saw or caught me looking at her and returned to serving the others. Thank you, I said, getting her attention again. What kind of soup is it? I waited for her to answer my question, but none came. Maybe in Connor's home, the servants were not permitted to speak at his table. I turned quickly away, hoping I hadn't gotten her in trouble. Connor prattled on, telling us what we would expect to eat for dinner that evening. Crisp bread still steaming from the oven, glazed roasted duck with meat so tender it could be cut with a spoon, fruit pudding chilled from an underground cooler. I heard him, but continued to watch the girl as she refilled drinks for each of us. Then she leaned to refill Tobias's cup. Another servant bumped her with his shoulder, and a little water splashed onto Tobias's lap. Connor glared at her, irritated. I opened my mouth to defend her, but she handed him another napkin and hurried from the room before anything could be said. When we were all dished up, to, or dished up, Connor picked up the spoon at the top of his plate and said, This is your soup spoon. It is for the soup and only for the soup. Following his direction, I grabbed my spoon, trying to hold it the same way he did. It was an awkward, uncomfortable position. Maybe gentlemen had to feed themselves this way. Poverty-stricken orphans didn't. I was used to holding my spoon the same way I might grip an axe. You eat with your left hand, Connor asked me. That's unacceptable. Can you do it with your right? Can you do it with your left, I countered. Connor sounded offended. No. Yet you ask me to switch to my right. Just do it. I switched hands, but made no attempt to imitate Connor's delicate delicate grip with this hand. Instead, with my axe grip, I went straight for the soup. No, Sage, Connor said. Scoop the soup into your spoon by pushing the liquid away from you, like this. He demonstrated and added, that way if you spill, it will go on the table, not onto your lap. The last bowl of soup I'd eaten had been consumed by my holding both sides of the bowl and drinking it from a cup. My right hand was sloppy, and as soon as Connor looked away, I switched back to my left. He noticed, but didn't say anything. Connor corrected Rodin on how to hold his spoon. It's not a hammer, boy. He lectured Tobias on leaning over his bowl. Bring the food to your mouth, not the mouth to your food. But he said nothing else to me about manners. I suspected he'd given up. Following the soup, we had some bread and more cheese. Connor demonstrated the use of the cheese slicer and spread and bread knives. I thought of or I thought both of those were obvious, so I didn't pay much attention. Rodin and Tobias seemed captivated. The girl who had caught my attention before returned to clear our soup bowls and the bread and cheese while other servants brought us the main course. She frowned at me again, which bothered me because I didn't see what I possibly could have done so soon to irritate her this much. I'm already full, Tobias said. It's considered rude to say that, Connor said. A host plans to serve his guests throughout the entire meal and does not want to think he is forcing half his meal down their throats. Tobias apologized and said his dinner smelled good, which Connor also seemed to think was a little rude. I didn't think Tobias meant to be rude. It's just that the way he was, or he said certain things made him sound haughty. 
I was plenty hungry, even after the two first two courses. It had been nearly two days since I'd eaten anything substantial, and months since I ever, I'd ever eaten enough to consider myself full. Food is a luxury in Carthian orphanages. They operate on whatever money an orphan inherited upon the deaths of his parents, which inevitably is little more than the shirt on his back for after debts were settled. Private donations come in from time to time from wealthy citizens, hoping to buy forgiveness for their sins. And, like what just happened to the three of us, an orphan was sometimes purchased from the orphanage by a wealthy family to be a servant until his debt was worked off. Since there was so little to eat, we learned to eat fast and eat selfishly, which was why I hadn't understood Mrs. Tribaldi's anger about stealing the roast yesterday. It was meant for all of us. The final course was dessert, a cherry tart with cinnamon and sugar sprinkled on it. The same girl returned who had served me before, but this time I gave her no extra notice. Even if she had difficulties here, I had plenty of my own to worry about. I needed to focus on Connor, who had yet to reveal the worst of intentions for us. Leave the room now, Connor ordered all of his servants. I won't need you again until we've finished our supper. When the last of the servants closed the doors, Connor set his knife and fork down and clasped his hands together. We've come to it at last, he said, looking at each of us carefully. I am ready to tell you my plan.